Go ahead and open your Bibles to Mark chapter 5, but also we're going to be at the last chapter of Mark, Mark chapter 16. If you've uh, not been with us recently, we've been in a series uh, in the Gospel of Mark. It's called The Good News. And throughout the Gospel of Mark, there's a lot of good news. But today I got something better. I got great news. Great news. Jesus is alive. He is not here in the tomb. That's what the angel said. He is risen. And that's some of the best words that have ever been written. That's right. You can clap. Listen, I saw those kids on the stage, and I saw their, their smiles. I saw the energy in their bodies. I, what I felt was the joy, right? The joy in their heart. As they just sang to God, they just gave all they had to God, and I could even see it and feel it in our, our praise team up here, right? And I'm going to tell you something. As Christ followers, we should always be full of joy. Notice I didn't say always full of happiness because sometimes we're not going to be happy. Sometimes we're going to be sad. Sometimes we're going to mourn. Sometimes we're going to laugh. But I'm going to tell you, as Christ followers, we should always be filled with joy. And we should always be filled with joy because we know the truth. And the truth is, Jesus Christ is alive. And Jesus Christ is coming back. And he's coming back for his church. That means you and me. And so that truth ought to fill us with joy no matter what. Uh, I, I think of two days of the year that we really, we really are amazed, right? Two days of the year that we're really, we're filled with so much joy and amazement and wonder. And, and one of those days is, is Christmas Day when we think about God coming to us, right? Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ being born. But then that second day is the day we celebrate today, that resurrection day. When Jesus Christ came out of that tomb and defeated sin and death, I'm going to tell you, we ought to be filled with joy today. And that joy should not be contained, and it should not be contaminated with anything of this world. I, I hope that your heart is full today, and I hope that you'll just let your heart overflow, okay? Uh, I want to I point you to the truth of God's Word. Like I said, we've been in the book of Mark, and I love the gospel of Mark. I love the book of Mark because Mark, uh, he doesn't beat around the bush. He just tells you like it is. He, he says, this is what I saw, this is what I heard, and, and I'm giving it to you, and I want you to do more than think about it. I want you to embrace it. See, here's what I believe. I believe Jesus shows us in Mark chapter 5, and as we will see in Mark chapter 16, that he has power. Jesus Christ has power. Last week, we looked at Jesus' power over the demons. Jesus has all authority and all power, and he casts out demons. We, we've seen already that Jesus, he has power over the storms in this life, nature. Jesus has all authority and all power. He can say, quiet, be still, and the wind and the waves have to obey him because he has power. But, but what we're going to see Today, even in, in Mark chapter 5, and as we look forward to that empty tomb in, in Mark chapter 16, we're going to see that Jesus not only has the power to heal, but most importantly, Jesus has the power to save. And that's what I want you to see today. I believe Jesus has power over disease. Yes, Jesus can and will heal, but more than that, Jesus has power over death. And because he has power over death... That means he can save you and save me from death. The Bible says that we are all sinners. I looked around today and I saw a lot of pretty dresses. 
I, I, I saw a lot of pretty clothes. We got some perfect dresses and some perfect clothes in this place. We even got some near-perfect smiles in this place. But here's the truth. We ain't got no perfect person in this place. Not one. And it starts right here in this pulpit with me. We ain't got no perfect person in this place. But I'm going to tell you something. We got a perfect Savior. A perfect Savior. And His power is over our sin and our death. He died for us so that we might have life full and eternal. And that's the message of the gospel. And so I want you to see that power today. I also want you to understand this truth. Everything Jesus said on this earth and everything Jesus did on this earth was with the cross and the empty tomb in full view. Nothing Jesus ever said, nothing Jesus ever did in this world was by chance. It was not some coincidence. It was all lined up perfectly. Jesus knew who he was, he knew what he was doing, and he was ready to do it. And that's what I want you to see. Everything, everything we read today in the Scriptures is because Jesus saw the cross and he saw the empty tomb. It was in full view of what he was doing. So I want you to look with me in Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5, we're going to begin... In verse 21, now like I said, we're going to see Jesus, his power. We're going to see him work. And we're going to see his power, yes, power to heal, but more importantly, power to save. And it starts with a man named Jairus. I want you to look at this. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. The first thing I want you to see about Jairus is we see his desperation. We see the desperation of Jairus. This was a man who knew Jesus was coming and he knew he had to get to him. He was desperate to get to Jesus. He was desperate because there was no one else who could help him. There was nothing else that could be done for his daughter. What did he say about his daughter? He said, my daughter is what? Dying. He said, my daughter is dying. And I'm going to tell you something. There ain't a lot that has changed in the 2,000 plus years from when this man was living than when we were living. When you say the word death, when you say the word dying, there seems to be a finality about it, right? Like this is it. It's final. And so this man was desperate because he knew that his daughter was dying and there was nothing that anyone could do but Jesus. He sought Jesus. The Bible tells us he fell at Jesus' feet pleading with him. This is a desperate man. And I'm going to tell you something that we see in his desperation. We see a man who believed in Jesus. He believed in Jesus. He believed in who Jesus was and he believed in what Jesus could do. And so he did everything he could to get to this man, Jesus. He did everything he could do to tell him, right, from a desperate heart, what was wrong? My little daughter is dying. And so he believed in Jesus. He believed that Jesus could heal her. 
And instead of dying, what would she do? She would live. She would live. I'm going to tell you what else we see in this little passage of Scripture. We see the willingness, the willingness of Jesus. Again, I told you, Mark, he keeps it straight and to the point. He simply says, so Jesus went with him. Don't you love that? It, no, no time to waste, not going to beat around the bush. It says Jesus went with him. Why did Jesus go with him? Because Jesus loved him. And Jesus had compassion. And so Jesus acted out of his love, acted out of his compassion. He went with Jairus. And I've said it many times, and I'll say it again. I'll probably say it more than once today. Everything Jesus does, it is intentional. Everything Jesus does, it is with purpose. But as we will see, it's his plan, not ours. It's his time, not ours. You know, many times... I don't have a problem with Jesus' plan. You know what I have a problem with? His timing, right? And I've said this a bunch. It's because I'm a Burger King guy. I want it my way right away. I want it my way right away. Aren't we all like that a little bit? I see some wives elbowing their husbands, and maybe it's not a little bit. Maybe it's a lot. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. A lot of times we don't have, we don't have a problem with God's plan. We, we know that God's plan is best best for us, best for this world that we live in, the problem we always have is that we don't always understand it. We don't always understand the timing of it. It's hard for us to accept sometimes because it's not what we would have done and it's certainly not when we would have done. And so we see the desperation of Jairus. My little daughter is dying. She's dying right now. Jesus, if you'll just come and touch her, I know that she will be healed, and I know that she will live. Jairus had no... Hey, listen, he, he didn't have anything holding him back from getting to Jesus, and he didn't have anything holding him back from believing that Jesus was the one. So watch what happens. Mark chapter 5, verse 25. A woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power, what did I tell you about Jesus? He's got all power and all authority. It says at once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, I don't know about you, but when, I, when I'm reading Mark chapter 5, especially this passage, I, 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 I'm, I'm captured by the desperation that I see in Jairus. I'm captured by the moment because this is a man who knows his daughter is going to die unless Jesus gets there and touches her and heals her and gives her life. And then all of a sudden, 
right? Not his time, not his plan. A woman is there. And here's what we see. Much like Jairus, we see a woman who was suffering. We see the suffering of this woman. Mark tells us that she had a prolonged suffering. This wasn't something that just came about or something that lasted about this long. No, this was a prolonged suffering. He says for 12 years she suffered. And again, we see some some commonalities here, right, between Jairus and this woman because the Bible says there was nothing that anybody could do. There was no one that could help her. As a matter of fact, it said instead of getting better, she got what? Worse. So her suffering grew worse. She had even exhausted her own resources. That's what the Bible says. But what did she hear? She heard that Jesus was back. That Jesus had come back across the Sea of Galilee. He was back in town. And the Bible says that she was there in that crowd. You see, just like Jairus was desperate to get to Jesus This woman, she was desperate to get to Jesus because of her suffering. She was suffering physically. And she knew that there was no one else but Jesus who could heal her. And listen, we see something incredible about this woman, about her faith, right? Because listen, she didn't even think she had to say something to Jesus. She thought, all I have to do is just touch his clothes, right? Just be near him and just touch his clothes, and I'll be healed. So not only did she know about Jesus, she believed in Jesus. She believed in the power that Jesus had. And what we see in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus has power over disease. We see the power over disease that Jesus has. I told you this earlier. He had power over nature and the storms on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. He had power over the demons, that that demon named Legion that possessed that man. Thousands, right? Thousands of demons. Jesus said, come out of him, and the demons had to obey. Jesus said to the storm, be still, be quiet, and it had to obey because he had power. And what we see in this passage is that disease has no chance when it comes to Jesus. It has no chance, no chance. If it's his plan, if it's his time, and I'm going to tell you, if it glorifies his Father, it will be done. If it's his plan, and if it's his time, and if it glorifies the Father, it will be done. Notice the words to this woman. When she fearfully and publicly proclaimed what she had done, what did Jesus say to her? He called her daughter. You remember what uh, Jairus said about his little girl? He said, my little girl, my daughter, right, is dying. Look at the terminology. Look at the way that Jesus speaks to this woman who, who in our view in reading the story kind of breaks it up and kind of changes the timeline a little bit for us and we don't really get it or understand it. He says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. And I want you to look at this. He uses two words that I want you to look at. He says, your faith has healed you. And it would be very easy to think, oh, the physical suffering is gone. But that's not all he does. Because look what he says. Go in what? Peace. And be what? Freed from your suffering. This is what I love. The, The power of Jesus, right? The power of Jesus in your life and in my life, it delivers us. It delivers us peace from God. It frees us, right? When we have faith in Him, we have the peace of God and we have the freedom that only Jesus can give. 
I'm going to tell you, before we get back to Jairus, and before we get back to some, some resurrection power, I don't want you to miss this, this story in between. Because here's what I believe. I believe there are so many people, so many people, and there may be some in this worship center today, so many people who are searching for peace. I believe it. We want peace in our home. We want peace in our workplace. We, we want peace in relationships. I'm, I don't know about you, but there are many times when I'm, I'm searching for peace in my heart. Right? Peace in my mind. There are so many people today searching for peace. I'm going to tell you what else. There are so many people today searching for freedom. There are people today that are, that are chained. They're bound by their sin. They're chained and bound by their hurts and their habits and their, their hang-ups and their addictions. And I'm going to tell you, people are searching. And not only are they searching, they're trying, right? They're trying this and they're trying that. They're trying to make a little more money. They're trying to work a little harder. They're trying to do a little more. I'm going to tell you something. Until you come to Jesus, you'll never have peace and you'll never have freedom. I don't care what you try and how much you try. Until you come to Jesus and know him personally and intimately, until you trust him, believe him, you will never have peace and you'll never have freedom, no matter how hard you try, no matter what you try. This world is a liar because it's filled with the father of lies and his name is Satan. Satan wants you to keep working hard, wants you to make more money, wants you to push a little harder and try a little harder, dig a little deeper. Satan wants you to be busy, busy, busy. He wants you to stay away from the truth of God's Word and the truth that is Jesus Christ. Because Satan knows that Jesus is peace and that Jesus is freedom. There is no other. That woman found out. That woman found out real fast. Jesus said, Daughter, your faith, your faith has healed you. Now go in peace and be freed from your suffering. What I love is that this woman was not just healed, this woman was saved. Right? She wasn't just healed, she was saved. Now let's get back to Jairus. Verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, so he was still speaking at this moment when this woman was healed and saved. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, (laughs) Jesus told him, don't be afraid. Just, what's the word? Believe. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Jesus knew in that moment. He knew in that moment that he saw something change in Jairus. Right? Jairus, when he got there, saw Jesus and he believed. He believed in the power of Jesus to do what no one else could do. And all of a sudden... He gets the news, right? He gets the grapevine news, right? People talk. And so he gets this information, your daughter's dead, and what he hears is, it's done. It's over. It's final. Jesus knew what what only Jesus could know is that this information, right, this, this newfound knowledge, 
it could stunt his belief. It could bury his belief in what Jesus could do. And so what does Jesus say? He says, don't be afraid. Just what? Believe. You know that word believe? It's actually the present progressive tense. It actually means, hey, keep on believing. That's what it means. It means the belief you found me with, you keep on believing. Don't let that belief stop. Don't let that belief be covered up by what you hear and what you see in this world. You keep on believing. And here's what it says in verse 37. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. That's a sad verse, isn't it? Verse 40. But they laughed at him. We read that verse and go, man, how could they? But at the table's return, how many times do we laugh at Jesus? How many times do we laugh at what Jesus says in his word when we look at our own dire consequences and our own dire situations? How many times do we laugh in our heart, laugh in our mind? Verse 40 says they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, Peter, James, and John, and went in where the child was, went in where the child was. I want you to think about a tomb, right? Now, I know what, I know what we're thinking. He went into a bedroom, but I'm going to tell you something. There was a dead girl in that bedroom. It may as well have been a tomb. He went in. He went into where the girl was. She was in death. And verse 41 says this, he, too by, he took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. He's not asking. He's commanding. That's the power of Jesus. And verse 42, Mark says this a lot, immediately. At once, some versions say, immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around for she was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. And he gave them strict orders not to, tell any, uh, not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Now, I'm going to tell you what I see in this passage. First and foremost, what I see in this passage is I see the skepticism of the crowd, Right? I see the skepticism of the crowd. Because here's the thing, where did this crowd come from? They came from Jairus' house. Don't miss that. So they knew where Jairus was, right? Jairus told his house, he told the crowd, I'm going to Jesus. I'm going to Jesus. And so the crowd knew where he was. They knew where he was going. And so they came. But what we see is we see their skepticism, right? Skepticism. Because what they said to him was, don't bother the teacher now, she's dead. In other words, it's too late. Think about that phrase for just a moment. It's too late. Anybody ever said that before? Anybody ever said that before? In your own heart and in your own mind? It's too late. 
I've gone too far. I've done too much. Maybe you identify it with, with the sin in your life. Maybe you say, you know what, it's too late. The cancer has spread. It's too much. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, Satan loves that phrase. It's too late. He loves that phrase, it's too much. Because I'm going to tell you something. It ain't ever too late when Jesus is in the room. And it ain't ever too much when Jesus is in the room. You want to know why? Because Jesus has power. <laughs> yeah, he has power to heal. But more importantly, most importantly, he has power to save. He can do what he wants, when he wants, where he wants, how he wants, with whomever he wants. You want to know why? Because he's sovereign. That means he's not bound by what he sees and hears in this world. So what we see is we see Christ followers who should be believing in Jesus and the skepticism has darkened their hearts and darkened their minds and they see this as final. But what does Jesus do? Jesus encourages them, right? That's what we see. We see the encouragement of Jesus. He encourages them, hey, don't be overcome with worldly fear. Don't stop believing. He spoke into the commotion. He spoke into the wailing and the crying. And how did he speak? He spoke with compassion and he spoke with truth. And they still didn't get it. Because even after he said, don't be afraid, just believe, what does it say? They laughed at him. I'm going to tell you, I said this earlier, there ain't one of us in this room is perfect. And Jesus teaches me that more and more every day. <laughs> because just when, I think I'm, just when I think I'm digging deep and I'm, I'm, I'm getting fuller and fuller of the Spirit, and just when I think I'm getting stronger and stronger in the faith, something happens in my life and I laugh. I laugh at Jesus. I laugh at God's plan. I laugh at God's timing. So before I cast any stones at this crowd for their skepticism, I have to step back and say, Jesus, forgive me. Because many times I'm filled with it too. Skepticism. Many times I have to step back and, Jesus, please tell me, don't be afraid. Jesus, please tell me, don't be afraid. Jesus, please tell me to keep on believing. Just believe. Jesus, help me. And what we see in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus is not bound by their skepticism. <laughs> He's not bound by their laughter and their doubts. No, what we see in this passage of Scripture is we see the power of Jesus over death. You remember what I told you at the very beginning? I said everything Jesus says and does is with what in full view? The cross and what? The empty tomb. Jesus went into the room, the room that really was death, it was a tomb, and he said... Little girl, get up. And the Bible said she got up. Matter of fact, Jesus said, give this girl something to eat. Now, why would he say give her something to eat? Because she's alive. That's right. She's alive. And so I love this. We see the power of Jesus over death with the cross in full view, with his own empty tomb in full view. He exercises what I call resurrection power. What Jesus did for this little girl in this room was a precursor, a precursor, a glimpse, if you will, of what Jesus would soon do for you and for me. And it was more than about our physical health. It was about our spiritual health. It was about 
separation from God because of sin, Jesus said, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to wipe that out. Listen to me. Jesus would soon go to a cross that was not his own. It was yours. It was mine. It was because of the sins of the world. Jesus would willingly go to that cross like he willingly went with Jairus. Jesus would soon be placed in a tomb. And I'm going to tell you, there were skeptics that day too, weren't there? Skeptics that day. Jesus would soon go to a tomb. You know what his enemies thought? It's done. You know what his enemies thought? You know what the religious leaders and his enemies of the day, you know what this world thought? When they put him in the tomb, it's done. It's finished. It's over. It's too late. It's too much. They even put a big, heavy stone. I love it. I know many of you have seen it. There's a movie called Risen. And uh, I I watch it more than just at Easter. I watch it several times a year just because I like it. Um, But I remember... Clavius is his name in the movie. Uh, he's the Roman uh, soldier, the Roman captain, if you will. And, and he goes to that tomb, and, and he, he, he's asking him, who moved this stone? He said, because I remember us. It took me and seven others to put this stone down in place. So who moved this stone? He wanted to know who moved this stone. I'm going to tell you who moved this stone. Jesus Christ moved that stone. <laughs> it was resurrection power that was given to him by God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It was God who moved that stone. Wasn't no man. And I'm going to tell you, they thought it was final, but it wasn't final. Because I'm going to tell you, it ain't ever final until Jesus has the last word. Jesus has the last word. Jesus had the last word when it came to Jairus and his daughter. Jesus had the last word when it came to that woman who was suffering for years and years when nothing and no one else and all money had been exhausted. Jesus had the final word. And I'm going to tell you something. I don't care where you are right now in your life. I don't care what the circumstances look like. I don't care how loud it is and how noisy it is right now in your heart and your mind. Listen to me. It ain't over until Jesus says it's over. It ain't final until Jesus says it is finished. That's resurrection power. And I know it's easy to think about this world we live in right now because that's just who we are. It's hard for us to think about eternity in view, in mind. But I'm going to tell you, everything Jesus says, everything Jesus does, it's with the cross and the empty tomb in mind. It's because everything you are, it's not just about this world, it's about eternity. God created you in his image. He breathed the breath of life into your body, not so that you could just walk on this world and it be done, no, so that you could be forever with him, forever and ever, in a place called heaven. And the only way there is through the empty tomb. The only way there is through the blood that was shed on the cross. The only way to be with God forever and ever in heaven is through a man named Jesus Christ who gave it all. I want you to turn to Mark chapter 16. Probably one of the greatest passages in the Bible. And yes, Matthew's gospel has this, and Luke's gospel has this, and John's gospel has this. But we're in Mark, so we're going to look at Mark. Mark chapter 16, look at these first eight verses. When the Sabbath was over. You see that? When the Sabbath was over, it's done, right? It's finished. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, 
Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. In their mind, in their mind, right? What, 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 what happened? He's dead. And what were they about to go do? They were about to go do what they did to everybody else's body. Don't miss this. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. Right? They were on their way to death's door. And they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone which was very large, Mark wants you to remember that, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Of course they were. Wouldn't you be? (laughs) I would. I might not stick around, to be honest with you. (laughs) I might be running the other way. But look at verse 6. Don't be alarmed. Does that not sound a lot? Does that not sound a lot like what Jesus told Jairus in Mark chapter 5? What did he tell him? When, they, when he got the bad news, when he got the finality, right, the final word, what did he tell Jairus? Don't be afraid. Just what? Believe. Look at what the angel said. Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. And the greatest words that have ever been written and ever been spoken. Not my words, they're God's words. He has risen. He is not here. I'm going to say it again. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. In other words, listen to what I'm telling you and look. That this was a certainty. This was not a maybe moment. This was a yes moment. He's not here. He has risen. But go, verse 7, but go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Oh man, what an awesome passage of Scripture. The first thing I think about when I think about these women is I think about their concern, right? I I see the concern of these believers, of these ladies. They they loved Jesus, and they were concerned about his body that was buried, and they wanted to honor him. That's what this burial was about. It was about honoring Jesus, taking care of him. It was right. It was proper. It was a custom in Jewish culture to take care of the body of a loved one. So they're concerned Not only are they concerned about Jesus' body, they're concerned about how we're going to get in there. Because we we know that they rolled a big stone and we can't move that stone. We don't have enough people to help us move that stone. But I love what Dr. David Jeremiah says. A lot of times people ask me, Brother Jeff, why do you think that stone was moved? People ask me all the time, Brother Jeff, do you really think that stone had to be moved for Jesus to come out of there? Absolutely not. I love what Dr. David Jeremiah says. Listen. 
He says the large stone was rolled away not to let witnesses in. I mean, not to to let Jesus out, but to let witnesses in. (laughs) The large stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out. It was rolled away to let witnesses in. In his resurrected body, walls and stones presented no barrier to Jesus. No barrier to entrances and exits. I'm going to tell you, the stone was rolled away and these believers can now see what Jesus had always been telling them. Don't don't you know, that's why I love Mark chapter 5. That's why I wanted to look at these passages side by side today. Don't you know that Jesus has been telling them who he is and what his mission was and why he was doing what he was doing? It was all about love for this world, all about God's love for you and for me. It was all about making us right with God through his sacrificial death, through his victorious resurrection. Not only did he say it, but he did it. He showed us the resurrection with a little girl. How many of you have heard of a guy named Lazarus? Anybody ever heard of that guy? Right? Everybody, everybody loves that story of Lazarus. What did Jesus say at the tomb to Lazarus? He said, what? Lazarus, come out. Do you know why he said Lazarus? Because if, if he had not said Lazarus, come out, anybody in that tomb would have come out. You want to know why? Because Jesus has all power over everything. Storms. Demons, anything you want to talk about, disease, sickness, ailment, suffering, and most importantly, death. I'm going to tell you, for the Christ follower, death is not final. Because we were created in God's image to live forever with Him. And when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, we can see the certainty of the resurrection. That's what I see in this passage of Scripture. The certainty of the resurrection, just as Jesus raised that little girl to life, just as Jesus raised Lazarus to life. Jesus, he came to life. He rose from the grave. But I'm going to tell you something. There is a difference. That There is a difference between the little girl who was raised and Lazarus who was raised and anybody else who was raised. Because only Jesus' resurrection can Heal me and save me. Only Jesus' resurrection can heal me and save me. And I see the certainty of the resurrection. I love those words from the angel sitting at the right side. He said, he has risen. He is not here. Why are you looking for Jesus in a tomb? Why are you looking looking for Jesus in a dead place? He's alive. And you're going to see him again. That's what he told those those believers. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus, through his perfect life, Jesus through his sacrificial death, and yes, Jesus through this glorious resurrection, he defeats sin and he defeats death once and for all. You might say, Brother Jeff, that's all good and and all for the Jews. That's that's all well and good for those disciples back then, but surely that's not what it means for me. Uh, Yeah, that's exactly what it means for you. Satan would love for you to believe that this is just a, an old story from 2,000 years ago and it's just for those people. And he would even like for you to believe that it's just stories. It's, it's just stories. It's just made up. He, he would love for you to look at the Bible like you look at Shakespeare. Just a beautiful story and close it and it's done. I'm going to tell you something. What did I tell you about Satan already? He's the father of what? Lies. He can't do anything but lie. You better remember that about Satan. He can't do anything but lie. That's all he can do. 
And oh, he'll sugar it up. He'll pretty it up. But it's a lie. The certainty is Jesus died. I love this. He died and he rose. He defeated sin and death. And he's alive. Here's the truth. We can have life because Jesus is alive. We can have life. Right here, right now, forever and ever. Because Jesus is alive. In fact, Jesus is life. Do you know in Deuteronomy chapter 30, back in the Old Testament, Moses was about to die. Okay? He knew it. He knew he was about to die. He knew this earthly body was about to go back into the ground. Right? And right before he died, you know what he told his, his, his people? You know what he told them? He said, you got to choose today who you're going to believe. Choose today who you're going to believe. And you got two choices. You can believe in life or you can believe in death. That's what he says. You know what he wanted them to choose? He said, choose life. And you know how he said it? He said, because God is your life. You know how many times I've chased things in this world? You know how many times I've believed that, oh, Marty is my life. Oh, my kids are my life. Oh, oh, this, this, this pastorate, this, this job, this church, it's my life. I'm going to tell you something. None of that is my life. My life is Jesus Christ. And there is no life apart from him. I thank God for the blessings in life, like my wife and my kids and this place, this people. But make no mistake about it. They nor you are my life. Jesus Christ is my life. And it will never, ever be taken away from me. Nor I from him. You want to know why? Because I put my faith and my trust and I believe him. I believe every word. I believe his life, his death and his resurrection. I believe it in my heart. I believe it in my mind. I believe it with all that I am and nothing and no one can ever change that. Not even Satan, the crafty liar. It's the certainty of the resurrection. You know, Mark, Mark tried to tell him. Over and over again. He's trying to tell us. We're going to see it. Listen, we're going to keep reading the book of Mark. I know I shared with you the end, but that's okay. Come back and get the in-between because the in-between is good too. Okay? But Mark in chapter 8, okay? So after Jesus has raised this little girl, right, to life, she was dead, but now she's alive. After Jesus healed this woman from her suffering, after all of these things, Jesus continued to preach, continued to teach, continued to work miracles. Listen to what Mark says in chapter 8. Remember what I told you about Jesus? Everything he said and everything he did was with what in full view? The cross and the empty tomb, right? Listen to what Mark says in chapter 8, verse 31. It says, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and after three days, rise again. They saw the power of Jesus. They heard his words, and yet they still had a hard time with it, didn't they? They still had a hard time with it. Listen, I'm not here today to, to ask you to just try to get it all. Just, just try to get it all. I'm not, I'm not asking you to do that because I'm going to be honest with you. I don't get it all. Even right now, I don't get it all. I don't get why Jesus would do that. Why would he die for me? 
I mean, why would he die for you? Just as much as you know me, I know you too. Why would he do that? Why would he die for any of us? Man, I don't get that. I don't. I have a hard time with it. But I'm going to tell you this. God's word said he did it, so I believe it. Even though I don't get it fully, I believe it. I mean, let me ask you a question. When you came and sat down on that pew, did you investigate it? I'm just asking a question. Did you investigate it? Did you look and make sure that those legs were really attached to the floor? Because I'm going to tell you, if you sit on one of these pews up here, you'll find out real fast it ain't really screwed in tight. (laughs) Ain't that right, Monty? See, look, he's showing you. (laughs) But you know what? Nobody questioned it, did it? They just came in and sat down on it, right? I'm not here to ask you to just get it all today. Not even tomorrow. I'm just here to deliver the truth to you and let you think about that truth. And let you take that truth and do what you want to with it. For a long time, I thought I could speak eloquently or know it all, go to this verse, go to that verse, and just save everybody. But I'm going to tell you something, I can't save you. Got a lot of family here. I'm going to tell you, you may as well look to your left and look to your right, look in front and look back at you. You can't save nobody. But what you can do is you can tell them the truth. You can tell them the truth. Jesus lived. That's the truth. He lived. I'm going to tell you something. He lived perfectly. Perfectly. Ain't nobody in this room perfect, but I'm going to tell you something. Jesus is perfect. Nobody in this world ever lived perfectly, but Jesus did. He lived. I'm going to tell you something else. Jesus died. He died. Not, Not only did he die, he died in your place and in my place. He died for you. He died for me. He died sacrificially. His blood was shed for you and for me. Not only that, as we see in the Scripture today, Jesus rose. Amen? I'm going to tell you, it would be a sad story if Jesus lived and Jesus died and that was it. Now, you don't see my notes, right? But I do. See, I got commas after all these words. (laughs) I got commas after Jesus lived. A comma after Jesus died. I got a comma after Jesus rose. You want to know why? Because the next thing I'm going to tell you is the most important. Jesus is alive. He is alive. And I put me an exclamation point on my notes right after that. He is alive. There's an old song we sing. Me and, me and my little brother Chris, I remember when my Uncle Jack died, um, my Aunt Nancy asked me and Chris to sing a song for Uncle Jack. It was one of his favorite songs that had ever been written. You remember that, Chris? Because he lives. Because he lives, what's the next words? I can face tomorrow. Right? What a beautiful song. It wouldn't be that beautiful without those words, because he lives. I'm going to tell you something. Because he lives, 
we can live. We can live. And I don't want to just, I don't want to just say we can live and you think about right here, right now, in this life. I'm going to tell you, because he lives, we can live forever. Forever. Because if you keep reading the Bible, you'll get past these Gospels and you'll get into this little book called Revelation. Yeah, this little book called Revelation. And it tells you about the end, the end of this world, right? But for Christ followers, guess what? There is no end. There is no end. For Christ followers, it's eternity. And it's eternity separated from death. Separated from sin, separated from shame, separated from suffering, separated from depression, separated from anxiety, separated from hurts, habits, hookups. You keep going. Separated from it all. You want to know why? Because when Jesus comes back, he makes it all right. All. Christ followers. Because he lives, we can live forever. And that's the truth. And you know what the truth will do? It'll set you free if you believe it.